Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host as always, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest was Chris Bernard. Chris is a strength and conditioning coach at Strength Camp, a hardcore athletic training facility in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, As well as being a coach, Chris is also the author of multiple performance training programs, which will be linked up in the show notes. He has worked with many athletes at all levels from many different sports to produce the highest level of performance in each sport that he's been involved in. He currently resides in St. Petersburg, Florida and continues to pursue breakthroughs in athletic performance. Now, On this episode, Chris and I discussed many topics, including Chris's background and his influences, the good and not so good things that Chris sees within the physical preparation profession. We got into Chris's life and training philosophy. We spoke about coaching ego. Then we spoke about how an appreciation of epigenetics is crucial in understanding human behavior. We also discussed about understanding the importance of unconditional love, acceptance, compassion, and empathy as a coach. And then Chris also shared his top resources and advice to all the listeners. Guys, this was a really, really great episode. I really enjoyed this interview with Chris, and I hope you guys really enjoy it too. Okay, Chris Bernard, it is an absolute pleasure to have you come on to my podcast. Um, just for the listeners who may not be too familiar with who you are, Chris, just fill us in on your background. Yeah, first of all, thank you very much, Robbie. I appreciate you having me on. Um, as you said, my name is Chris Barnard from St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, I'm co-owner of Strength Camp with Elliot Hulse, and I also own Overtime Athletes, which is a, uh, you know, kind of like an athletic performance business that I started when I was in college. Um, it's something that uh, I have a great passion for as far as teaching athletes how to, you know, run faster, jump higher, get stronger, and now I'm venturing into the, uh, the muscle space as far as how to gain muscle or look a particular athletic physique that they want. Um, I've been doing it for a little bit of time now, and uh, I'm just excited for continuing to spread as much message or as much training mythology mythology that I actually can. So am I correct in saying you you used to be an athlete of Elliot's? Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, the way that we came about actually was – uh, I, I played football in Arizona, and uh, about five, six games in, I went ahead and, and broke my collarbone. And, uh, you know, collarbone in, in football, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I didn't just break it. I shattered it. I actually have a metal rod as a collarbone right now. And, um, you know, that's a pretty tough injury to come back from, even from the mental aspect. You know, it's kind of similar to how these guys – you know, tear ACL and then they're coming back from that because you kind of never know, you know, if it's going to function right again. And obviously with hitting, you know, and, and being a, such a physical sport, uh, you know, your shoulder is very important. And um, so when I came, when I got done with that, you know, I, I had doctors telling me I was never going to play again and you know things of that nature. So I pretty much became determined uh, based on my skill set out there, I became determined to come back from this. And I had bigger dreams. You know, this was a junior college ball. If some people aren't familiar with that. That's a little bit smaller than like a higher division. 
And uh, I had dreams of playing at the Division One level, not only at the Division One level, for the University of Miami, the Miami Hurricanes. And that was my childhood dream, and that's what I wanted to do. So I came back, and, uh, and I started researching online. Now I'm from Dunedin, which is about, you know, an hour north of St. Petersburg. And I started researching online, and I came across a trainer that was in St. Petersburg, and he said he specialized in football. Uh, I went down, I drove an hour south and, uh, and, um, you know, the rest is history. I basically linked up with Elliot. Um, you know, he, he explained to me that, you know, that was his specialty. He, he himself was a, uh, division one running back. Um, and you know, the minute we stepped in and looked at this tiny little warehouse, you know, cause my background was LA fitness and, these other chrome and carpet gyms and, you know, these new warehouse gyms, these, there, there was no CrossFit around these other warehouse gyms. There was, there was few and far between. And, uh, and, you know, me and my buddy came in and we just saw basically squat racks with, you know, old dusty weights and tires and things of that nature. And this was all very, very new, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, he took us through a workout and immediately from there, I just absolutely fell in love with this style of training, um, and I never really looked back. He trained me for the next year and a half to recover. You know, the, the, the beautiful thing about our relationship was was he was a he was you know what he likes to call a strength geek. So not only was he helping me build me up, you know, mentally and physically as far as uh, really building me my body up, you know, to run faster and jump higher, he was also able to support me in my you know in my recovery. Uh, my rehabilitation from the shoulder injury and I actually was able to become more uh, physically prepared than I ever was in my entire life you know by the time I got out of that program I was 230 240 pounds pretty lean I mean I was completely prepared to go down to the uh, to the University of Miami to play great stuff uh, so obviously uh, Elliot's been a big a huge influence on you so um, the next question I always ask every guest that comes on to the show, Chris, is who has been the biggest influences on you in your life, both professionally and personally? And as I said, obviously, Elliot will definitely be one, but um, and you can continue to talk about how, how he has been a huge influence. But who, who else would you say, both personally and professionally, has influenced you greatly? Yeah, I mean, personally, I come from a, I come from a, you know, a, a great upbringing. My, my parents are amazing people. Um, I have two older siblings that are twins, um, and my sister uh, was fortunate enough to meet her um, her husband now uh, in I was in elementary school, so he was basically my second brother. And between them three, I mean, they're six years older than me. My brother-in-law, he's he I call him my brother. He's uh, eight years older than me, and uh, you know, between those three, personally, between those three. Um, they've been such a huge influence on me because they were honestly like the cool, they were, they were the cool people growing up, you know, and that, that allowed me to kind of have that edge when I was able to, you know, start getting older. And I was always, you know, that, oh, that's Josh Heather and Jason's little brother. Uh, so they were able to really kind of mold me um, as far as, you know, my hustle, my, my upbringing, the athletic career, everything of that nature. I just wanted to be like them. Um, and then, you know, professionally, as I got into it, I got a little bit older. Obviously, I've met um, Elliot, who became my mentor. Not only was he able to train me, um, like I just mentioned, physically and on the weights, you know, uh, we would sit there for hours after each session and, and talk life, 
You know, he was grooming me as a young man as well. Um, other guys within the industry that I absolutely, you know, really have high respect for, uh, just to name a few, you know, guys like Zach Evanesh, Joe DeFranco. These were guys who were really doing it when, you know, uh, I, I was essentially when I was an athlete, I was pulling information from them. But I was also a coach and I've always had an interest in in training and, you know, uh, coaching people and working with athletes. And I saw these guys doing it at this high level. And I just thought that was amazing to me. Um, as I got older, obviously now, like, you know, within getting in, it's kind of, you know, the people who I tend to look up to in that space are ones that I essentially get attached to when it comes to uh, whatever I'm doing. So if I'm training and I'm coaching, coaches tend to be that. If I'm right now, I'm, I'm really wrapped up in business and trying to move strength camp forward. So I'm consuming a lot of business and and uh, you know information in, in that nature. So it's just kind of where I where I'm where my life is leading me. But at that time, you know, as far as trainers, I could say Elliot, Joe DeFranco, uh, Zach Evanesh. One guy who I went to school with, his name was Brian Biagioli. He's a he's very he's an amazing guy. He was our teacher down at University of Miami, and uh, he's so insightful when it comes to strength and conditioning. Um, and recently, I got into a guy named Cal Dietz. Uh, which uh, I don't know him personally, but he's he, he made a book called Triphasic Training, which I absolutely love. And, you know, these are all guys who I, I, I look up to and I'm, I'm seeing how they're doing things. And I really appreciate uh, them. Yeah, Carl's previous guest on the show. And I, I love his book, Triphasic Training. I think it's uh, it's definitely one that all coaches should check out. He's a great wow. guy, great thinker, you know. So uh, he, he was a great interview when I had him previously on the show. Absolutely. So the next question I want to jump into there, Chris, is um, in terms of the you know the whole um, strength and conditioning profession, or if you just want to lump it into the term of the whole sort of fitness uh, profession, um, what are some of the, the the really really good things that you see that are currently happening within the fitness profession, and then what are also some of the not so good things that you're seeing and with the not so good things, what sort of solutions would you maybe offer up? Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, in this, in this, from my experience, because I kind of have, uh, what you could call both a, I, I, I kind of say all three angles, you know, I have the academia, academia background, uh, I have the, uh, you know, actually coaching in the trenches. I still coach young high school athletes because that's the demographic I absolutely love. Like I just mentioned, you know, Elliot had such an impact on me and I've always loved, I've always been able to connect with that age group. You know, those kids kind of borderline going into college. So I still have those trenches. And then I have this whole social media thing going on where, you know, I speak on YouTube and. I see other guys on YouTube and Instagram and all these social media platforms. And there's guys being born stars overnight uh, just based off their physiques. But, you know, at the end of the day, with saying that kind of giving that overview, uh, I think there's two types of people, you know, that approach these energies. And there's the third, uh, which I was just mentioning with the social media. One is it, there's these guys who really, truly want to help and, and support you know, these athletes or so actually be in the 
the trenches and work with people. You know, these are the personal trainers that are day in and day out working with people on the ground level. Then you have these other this other uh, style of um, in this industry who who are who are more out to uh, push the research forward. You know, they're, they're more. Uh, you know, they they. I don't know if what their situation may be. What I notice is a lot of them aren't as good with the actual people, and they might be more introverts, and they might, you know, they they're really uh, stuck within the research. And I don't want to say stuck because they're really pushing the industry forward with what they're finding out and mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And then you've got this third group who who I, I, it's kind of like uh you know these 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 guys who are very uh, I hate to use the word narcissistic because it's not all negative and usually that's a negative connotation with that word but you, you know they're very uh, you know there's this huge following of people following people based off like uh, their look and personality within the fitness industry and you know to me I think it can all be extremely positive however uh, you know there's always uh, a negative outlook on that, uh, and and there's definitely you know human nature can come in, and you know you got your guys who want to push the research forward, but then what they end up doing is they end up just uh, trying to go around and bash these trainers who are who are truly trying to help people. Uh, so I see a, a lot of good and bad in, in all of it. I just think it's kind of what realm you're in. You know, I'm, I'm I like to identify with the people who are truly just trying to help. Um, you know, people get better, and it, as long as you're authentically coming from that space, I, 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 to me, I feel like people, it's become such a transparent game. So you, you can't really bullshit anymore. You know, either you're either you're somebody who's absolutely trying to help people out, or you're uh, you're somebody who, who tends to focus on the negative. And you know, my only thing is, I, I'm sure they they started with the right motive, the right intent to help people uh but then they end up just uh you know going off and and trying to prove people wrong and bash people and there's a lot of people who are who have a great mindset and a great platform in this industry but choose to use it in a wrong manner so uh you know my only thing is i hope that moving forward people can continue to remember what we're you know doing this for and that's to support somebody you know my my motive behind this whole thing was when i was a kid like I, I was obsessed with trying to be, become a, uh, a football player, you know, at the highest level. And I consume so much knowledge. And I, I think it's so amazing now that how, how much that technology has afforded us because I didn't have that information. And what I, all I had was what was in the, in the magazines, you know, in the muscle and fitness and stuff like that. So that's why I have so much energy to try to, uh, you know, get out there and be able to speak to, these young kids of how they need to be training. It's like, hey, I understand you might be stuck on this, but you know, here, take this, utilize this little tool, and I try to give as much as I possibly can from that um, because I obviously, you know, I, I wish that I would have that information when I was younger. Um, but then moving forward, you know, like I said, I see there's this, uh, there's this, um, there's this huge movement of of guys who. Uh, despite whether they're qualified or not, um, they're putting out a lot. And my biggest thing, like I said, is as long as they're coming from the right motive, that's what I care about. Behind any fitness thing, you can start to sense how that person's operating. And sometimes that's just immature human nature. And I feel like over, you know, whoever that person may be, 
right, who's expressing that negative energy, no matter what, they mature at a certain point and say, you know, they're obviously able to get over that. And uh, so if anything, moving forward, I just hope that we can continue to remember what the motive behind this whole thing is, and that's to become better, right? I mean, whatever the situation you're in, whether you're trying to lose fat, gain weight, become better uh, athletically, uh, whatever it is, is is trying to support people where they're at. Yeah, I think, uh, I I really think you you summed it up well in terms of, you know, you use the word support people. Like uh, I'd often say it's about facilitating the people that we work with in terms of, you know, our athletes and our clients. And I think, uh, you know, what what I see a lot of, listen, I I know because I've seen your videos and obviously because of, because of your relationship with Elliot, I, I know that you guys are well aware of this, that, you know, listen, everyone and everything is the way they are for a reason. And there's a very famous guy, Jacques Fresco, who's actually in uh, Jupiter or Venus, Florida. Um, that's a guy you should definitely go visit if you haven't, if you haven't checked out his, uh, Jacques Fresco. So you should check out the Venus project. I actually mentioned to Elliot way back in the day, but Jacques Fresco is a futurist. He's over hundred years old. I think he's 101 years old. He's still alive. But there's, there's a, a woman called Roxanne who, who would deal with a lot of his, um, you know, a lot of his PR stuff, but you can go do a tour of his like inventions and basically his whole like facility every Saturday. And, uh, you just need to check out the Venus project. So basically he designed a resource based economy, but, um, like there's so much to it. I actually interviewed him years ago back in like episode, I think it was nine, 10 or 11. The audio on it wasn't, wasn't great, but, uh, you should definitely go check him out. He's in, so I keep saying Jupiter, he's in Venus, Florida. So he, I think, I think you would really, really like uh, the Venus Project. So I'll, I'll send you a link afterwards, and you can check it out. Absolutely, yeah. I'm writing down the notes as you're saying this. <laughs> but uh, Jacques Fresco was was one of the first. Like he's been an indirect mentor for me. I've never personally met the man, but you know, I've watched so many of his interviews and listened to so many of his podcasts. And he also has a number of books out. But he was the first person to really uh, bring to my awareness again that everyone and everything is the way they are for a reason. And he often phrased the term "everyone's a victim of their culture" or "a victim of their environment." Mm-hmm. So just going back to this idea of facilitating our athletes and clients and as you said to support them, I think what happens an awful lot is that we, we all I think ego is a big thing that's becoming being brought to people's awareness nowadays, you know, like Ryan Holiday writing Ego's the enemy and a lot of people speak about why people have ego and uh, ego identities and um I think what happens an awful lot of the time is that when you see a coach with a particular athlete and the athlete isn't or or a client and they're not they're not understanding what the coach wants them to do the ego of the coach then gets in the way and, and it's kind of like this subconscious voice in the coach's head said, God, if another coach walked in and saw me with this athlete, I'd be mortified because this, this client is making me making me look bad. Instead of, again, stepping back and realizing this isn't about you as a coach, it's about you helping to facilitate this individual. And obviously wow. there's, there's a learning and growth process in that. Like I always say to anyone I ever train, because you have, I don't know, you ever get those clients and they all say sorry, you know, because they know they're not doing what you want. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right, right. Yeah, and, you're, and you're, I was like, no, you don't need to be sorry. And I always say to them, hey, listen, did you talk the first time you tried? No, you did like 10 months of this. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and one day, that, that came out. Or in my case, it was fuck. But anyway. <laughs> uh, and same, I said, did you walk the first day? Did you cycle? No, it's all just, it, it takes time to learn. You're not going to be brilliant after one day. And I don't expect that. But I think what happens is ego of coaches get away. You know, the coaches is, is, is just in it for themselves and that look how great I made this person and if they're not doing it the way the coach wants this person's making me look bad and I'd be mortified if another coach walked in and saw how bad I was doing as a coach so this ability to disassociate from the ego and realize that the process isn't about us as coaches it's about the person in front of us the individual the athlete I definitely can sense that through you anytime I've seen any of your videos that you're very you know you've got so much passion and 
to be honest, the word that comes to my mind when I see you with your athletes in videos is love. You just have pure love towards them, and that's what coaching is about. It's facilitating. It's it's facilitating that. Like a very good friend of mine, Jason Kane. Nobody would know him here in terms of international um listeners, but he's well known in Dublin, though. Great guy. And he said a great he said a great thing to me one day. He says, Robbie, no one goes to the gym to get bigger, faster, and stronger. And I was like, this is interesting. Continue. And he goes, everyone's going to the gym for one thing. They're going to the gym to find more self-worth for themselves. They're going to the gym to find more unconditional love for themselves. They're just using the means of exercise to drive that process. And I think he's 100% right. Like, you know, if you really distill it, well, why do you want to get stronger? Why do you want to lose fat? You know, and, you, well, and if you really got down to it, it's like, I want people to like, why do you want people to like it? Because ah, I want to like myself. Why do you want to like myself? Because I want to love myself. You know, if you really distill it all down, they're just using the means that, and we got to realize how big of a role we play in that process. I don't know about you, Chris, but people have often come back to me years later and said, I was in a really dark place back then, and only for you, I might not have got through it. And you, you were completely unaware of that at the time. Like So we, we really got to realize how big of an influence and the responsibility that we have with, with all of our athletes and clients, you know, so. Absolutely. And I got to, you know, just to add to that, you know, I think one of the most, the best things that a coach could do for themselves is identify who they identify best with. You know, when I started training, um, I worked at LA Fitness and, um, you know, I I, kind of fell out of love with it because I was training uh, a lot of these middle-aged women, and there's nothing against that because I've obviously evolved and matured, but yeah. I, I started off training a lot of these middle-aged women, and I became somebody who just kind of like a, a shoulder to lean on and talk about their problems everyday life, and it, it just burnt me out, and I said, man, I'm done doing this. I didn't want to do this. That's why I got into, you know, when I went to school, uh, I, I went there to be an orthopedic surgeon, and I was like, you know, I started chasing other things. When I was able to be coached by Elliot and see that, you know, there is no ceiling and I could work with these athletes and I identify better with them. Uh, you know, I'm able to speak their language. I'm able to, uh, you know, really work with them. So as a trainer, um, as I started to realize that when I became a trainer and started coaching athletes in the local area, there came a hard time when I got out of college that I really wasn't you know, I wasn't making that much money at first. You know, I, I was building my training business and I was working with anybody and everybody who called my phone. And uh, I was trying to sign people up left and right. And, you know, I hustled, don't get me wrong. And uh, but it was it was a hard, scrappy, uh, uh, you know, month to month type of gig for me. And when I finally said, hey, I'm going to just train athletes because the little athletes that I had, I noticed I was more energetic. I was talking to them. They were asking me questions about life. It was so much more fulfilling. Uh, you know, this, uh, it just, to me, it was like, hey, I'm able to tell you everything I learned from my mature standpoint that I wish I had somebody in my ear telling. And it was immediately at that point, I remember working with a, a kind of like a, a troubled young man who, uh, who, who was physically pretty, physically gifted. And he, you know, started, I, I remember him thinking I was, was this cool older guy and I just got that vibe and you know I remember him trying to talk to me about something where basically he could have went a different direction how he handled it and uh and got into himself into some trouble or you know gone a certain path and I remember just being able to speak to him from a mature standpoint like just basically telling him like hey there's a there's there's alternative measures you know there's there's a different route to go and focusing on his training and focusing on uh his sport and things of that nature. And I, at that point, uh, 
I immediately said, I'm cutting off all my other training people, you know, all my other clients, and I'm just training athletes uh, because it, it's so much, it's so fulfilling to me. And, um, and, and really this is, this is who I can support best, you know, because I, I had these other clients where I was like, oh, I remember dreading like five minutes before, like, man, I got to get there. I got to get to the gym. I got to work with this person. And uh, the funny thing that happened, you know, I was so worried because of obviously, you know, bills got to be paid. I got to eat. Um, I'm, I'm out of college now. I got to figure things out. And uh, and it's crazy. But my online my my training business tripled, tripled when I was able to commit just to athletes. And I think it's about your energy. So I think it's extremely important for coaches, especially young coaches, to find out what demographic you absolutely work with. You might be a girl who was you know, bullied in school growing up and then all of a sudden you found fitness and you completely transformed your life. So you might identify with these women who might have those past experiences or these things that they need to talk about. So basically what I'm saying is from whatever kind of standpoint you're in or whoever you identify best, best with, really streamline and work with those people. You know, I have people who I've, I've met people even in college who uh, were able to work really loved working with special population uh, people who, uh, you know, they, they might have had some kind of sickness or um, some kind of disability, but then overcome that. And they were able to work with those people and really identify with those people. And I think those are the people where they absolutely, you know, it's, it's not really working. It's not really uh, you know, I don't find it tedious. Um, I don't need to coach. In fact, I don't get really uh, any money. I put it right in, right into the gym and give it to our guys. I just absolutely love working with them and seeing them. And, you know, I live for those five, 10 minutes in between or during a break when they're asking me something about life and I'm able to support them in any kind of fashion, whether it be training or life. And I think that's really where, uh, fulfillment comes. And I think that's how you, you know, you, you should be operating and, 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 and uh, living life is, is taking what you had, paying it forward and empowering others. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And like, I'm just looking here at like some of the, the next questions and they're a little more like training orientated, but I just know that me and you would just very similar to Elliot too. Like we, we would just speak about life all day more so than training. Oh, absolutely. But, For sure. uh, yeah. I mean, cause like that's, that's, I'm very much a, uh, yeah, be very similar to yourself. Like, uh, I'm very much a generalist, very much a holistic-based person, and I read from so many different fields. And uh, it's one thing I've always noticed about masters. It's something I've been t talking about a lot about lately to a lot of people, that anyone who, who is seen as a master within their within their respected field, they they're all they always seem to be generalists as well. So and it seems like that the more the more of a generous they are, the more they're a master at their speciality, which is like almost a paradox. Um so but it's uh I tell you what if, if we've a little more time we can get some more of that stuff because Yeah for sure we could go all day about oh, that. Oh absolutely but I, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait for you to check out Jock Fresco and see what you think because uh I I'll send you a video too where there's like this 20, 20, 25 minute intro of this documentary and it's all about like uh, uh, human behavior psychology and it's absolutely amazing. So it is. So I think you'd really enjoy that. Um, just in, in terms of like, let's say right, I, I trot up there now to strength camp and I come in and I see Chris there and I say, Hey Chris, I, I'd love to be a client of yours. I'm an athlete or whatever. And let's, let's just hypothetically say that you actually have the time to take me on. Cause you probably don't cause you're so busy. But if, if you were like, yeah, I'm in a position to take you on. I have one more space left. Like, how, how what, 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 what happens from that moment onwards? So, like, what's the process? Is there a screening? Is there an assessment? And then, 
what in terms of then your program design and your overall training philosophy like what, what would that look like so basically the question is what is your overall training philosophy and what does that system look like right yeah and right now i mean just so you know I, you know most of the guys that i get that i work with don't get me wrong we have a pretty successful gym here in st petersburg florida where we've developed elliot and myself developed a strength camp method um where it's based around three basically three prong it's a structure strength speed uh, what we like to call obviously you know structural integrity strength overcoming resistance and then speed is our you know some people might think of sprinting speed well this is just movement expressed dynamically that's that's kind of where we how, how our program is ran here within the strength camp method um it, it, it i work with the general population and i coach some of those classes sometimes just to stay fresh but for the majority of my time of me coaching now um, I typically coach what we would call a power athlete. This is an athlete who has to express power, whether that be in their, you know, in their competition, in their sport. Um, and generally my approach, uh, is, you know, a, I, I hundred percent do a, um, I do an assessment, but I do an assessment uh, a little bit differently um, I, I basically run through with that athlete. I, I kind of do a needs analysis. You know, my first my first standpoint, and I kind of like to think outside the box because every person is different. Every athlete I get is different. And my biggest thing is, hey, how can I, even if it's for two weeks, what can I do in these two weeks that can absolutely work on a weakness for this athlete so he could take that tool Put it in his toolbox, bring it out when he goes and goes on the on the field or court or whatever it may be, and be able to add a different element to his game that will then make him better. Um, you know, I, I started off really working like long term with a lot of these athletes, and I think that in the back of my mind, I'm working long term with them. And when I say long term, I'm saying you know correcting imbalances or having certain things that, uh, you know, that you're not going to be able to see in the next two months. But, you know, if I work with them for three, four off seasons, you know, then I'll, I'll be able to see that correction made. But if I know I only have two and a half months in the off season or something of that nature, you know, I have these MLB uh, ball players that I'm working with. I'm working with two brothers. Um, you know, my biggest thing on the surface is, Hey, what what what's the most bang for our buck that we can get for this offseason that can that can transform them there? And then I basically give them homework that can help long term. Uh, but w when it comes to training, you know, I they come in. Uh, I do a needs analysis, which I just explained. Um, as far as movement and assessment, I had them go through a dynamic warm up where we're essentially performing pretty much the primal movement patterns. I ha I see how they move. Um, I want to see how integrated their body is um, from a standpoint of, you know, what what movements are they mechanically deficient in? And and, and through these uh, this warm up, I'm able to kind of uh, go through and, and, and I've been able to, through my experience, been able to pick out their weaknesses or see where they lack, uh, if you will, within that. And then uh, my approach has been uh, just as I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very big. Uh, I have a, uh, I studied plyometrics. I, I went pretty in depth with that. Um, as far as, you know, my influence in plyometrics, it's been 
my first introduction was actually a gentleman named Jay Schroeder. Um, Jay Schroeder was a guy who owned a company out in Arizona. So my time in Arizona, junior college, believe it or not, I'm a broke college kid, but I was just so infatuated with getting better and, and learning training that uh, I actually drove two hours, I think about an hour and a half, two hours north, maybe even a little bit longer, to, I believe it was called Glendale or Scottsdale. And uh, I hired this gentleman called Jay Schroeder, which I actually worked with his assistant. Um, he, I only spoke with him on the phone, and he introduced a, a certain level of plyometrics with me. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he worked with a football player named Adam Archuleta. I, uh, I actually, I, I know, I, I know Jay very well. I actually met him for lunch earlier this year. Uh, so was it? Was it? Char- oh, wow, that's awesome. Was it? Was yeah. it? Was it Charles that you worked with? I worked with Charles Maka. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm well aware of. I, I, I spent three months in Arizona just recently, from it was last November to February this year. And wow, I, small world. Yeah, I don't know what they're up to or what they're doing, but I just remember it was one of the. It was it was an intense experience. I yeah. walked into that gym, and Charles, Charles, you know, he, he, I don't know based on the phone conversation if he thought I wasn't going to be too much of an athlete or what it was, but uh. Yeah, I came in and I was pretty physically prepared because, you know, I was trying to build my body up. But I was I, all I knew was bodybuilding at the time before yeah, Arizona. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you go on the field, you catch passes and then you go in the gym and you do three sets of 10. Uh, but I went out there and this was a whole different style of training to me. You know, he had me hold basically a, a, Bul- a Bulgarian Swiss squat uh, for, for five minutes. And, um, you know, that five minutes ended up taking about all the hour. Uh, but it was it was very challenging and I couldn't understand, you know, in my immature state, especially with training and everything uh, where this was going. And, you know, uh, the, the approach and I, he, he helped me out with a workout and I, I learned from there um, and I continued to study their stuff. And then I took it, you know, obviously deeper and I went into Verko Shansky and went deep into his stuff. And I started looking at these other guys who were doing this. So basically with plyometrics, my background is, is those two who I would say are the, the kind of the staple as far as learning that mm. and those uh, methods. Um, you know, as far as speed, um, I started studying uh, guys like, uh, well, uh, you know, Joe DeFranco kind of was one of the first ones that I was reading some of his stuff on speed. And then I took it a little bit deeper with a gentleman named Lawrence Seagraves. And, uh, and, and he was teamed up with a guy named, I believe they worked together in some fashion, named Ralph Mann um, mm-hmm. when it comes to speed training. Uh, those are two resources that I absolutely love and I implement a lot of things that I do within my program from them. Uh, strength, you know, obviously my, my influence being Elliot. And then beyond that, um, what I started learning and I started implementing was uh, this these, this triphasic training from Cal Dietz. Ever since I set out to hit a 44-inch vertical jump myself, you know, I was always a pretty decent jumper. And uh, everything that I do or I implement into my training, I feel, based on my experiences in my entire life, I have to do first. Now, there's going to come a point in time where I'm not going to be able to do the things at that level that I'm doing, but while I have that ability, I feel that it could be one of the worst things I could do is for me to just read it and try to implement. And, and, and especially I say this because I only have a certain amount of time with these athletes. So if I waste some of my time with them and I don't know and I'm not proven to work, or I don't know what they're going through, uh, we could waste an off season. So triphasic was one of those things where I wanted to do a little bit of research. And I was, you know, I remember my time with Jay. I remember, or, you know, Charles. And I remember, uh, you know, 
deep, deeply going deep within Burko Shansky, especially with my background. You know, I, I got my degree in applied kinesiology and physiology. So, I mean, this is what I got my, my, uh, uh, this is what I was studying in college. And, uh, you know, taking that and continuing on with that, um, I wanted to find something that I, I felt like there wasn't too many new things out there, you know. Um, I, I was going the complex training route where I was really going deep in that, and I didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, – there was too much solid um, training modalities. I mean people know what it is and they understand what PAP is, but I didn't feel like somebody was taking it to the next level. And uh, I, I, a buddy of mine mentioned to me about this triphasic, and I got into that. And I really haven't looked back, man. I, I, I got to be honest, as far as a power athlete goes, I, my hat's off to this guy. I haven't met him, like I said, um, but I, if I can bring more awareness to him and his work, I think he's done an amazing job. Um, I think triphasic, not only what it did to me, um, I, I do it with my athletes now, even if it's for a short block, just being able to, I, I see the benefits of it. Um, if you're not familiar with that, it's essentially... Uh, how do I say it in the easiest term for them? It's, it's basically tempo training, you know, where essentially you're working eccentric, isometric, and concentric in different blocks. So let's say we took a squat pattern. Um, we were performing a squat. We would perform a squat for one block with the eccentric, one block with the isometric, with basically like a pause, and one block where we're focusing on the concentric. And each one of these modalities or blocks has a different benefit. And the way he's broken down his book, I just think is amazing. Um, and then beyond that, you know, some of my influence and some of my other training as far as like, you know, core work, uh, obviously I'm a, a, you know, with having so much influence from Elliot, obviously Paul check is one that, you know, when it comes to integrated core and things of that nature is, is, uh, is really good. Um, like I said, Brian Biagioli is one guy who, um, who I absolutely love. He's the one who introduced me into prehab. And, uh, you know, that's just a, obviously a word that is thrown around and, uh, quite often now in the, in the industry, but, you know, essentially movements that are correcting, you know, once you, he once said, uh, I could correct your, your, uh, your, your skeletal system through the muscular system. And I said, wow, like I, he had my ear after that. And, uh, it was basically, you know, correcting these imbalance through certain activation, you know, exercises and, and, uh, and, and those are really good. So. To kind of give an overall approach, I just wanted to make sure I'm paying homage to the people that I utilize because I didn't invent the wheel. Um, all I did, all I asked of myself was was, was the integrity that I approach it with. I'm, I'm able to go through it myself, uh, see that it works, try to understand it in the best way possible, and then spit it out in a form that these kids can understand. Because I'll be honest with you, they don't care that it's you know uh, the you know the isometric phase is recruiting a max amount of motor recruit you know i mean is sending action potential but they don't care about that what they care about is, is is you know hey you know how can i convey it to them so that we can get the end result that we want and along the way we're able to support them in in other facets of their training uh so you know my biggest thing uh to answer your question because i'm taking i'm trying to come full circle now is uh yeah so when you come in uh you know structurally i learned a lot we, we do a series of structure work, prehab, things of that nature, which I was just talking about. Then we move into power speed, um, which you know I was just paying homage to those guys. Then I run some kind of strength where it's triphasic, finish off with some auxiliary movements, 
and then some some core. So that's 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 the base of what your workout would look like when you come in and you and you work with me. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for going in such a detailed answer. <laughs> I felt like I had to give homage to the guys because my biggest thing is, man, honestly, until I come up with my own thing, you know, and I just want to show love to the guys who I felt like were such a great influence to me. And, 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 and I'm kind of like an open book, you know, and I'll continue to, uh, you know, pull from other different guys. And I want to just make sure that they, you know, that they're able to receive um, that benefit because, you know, it, we're, we're constantly moving forward. In, uh, in different ways and you know even even Caldice like I took the triphasic and then me going through it myself it was little tweaks that I was seeing there not to say that like you know but I, you obviously take it, it from a book and you interpret it the best way that you possibly know how and then you go through it and then you're able to uh, you know kind of you know manipulate your own body through that and, and, and you want to you know test and tune certain things so, uh, so it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, that's the beauty of, of working with myself and other athletes. And that's the beauty of this whole, this, this whole strength and conditioning and performance is to be able to apply a stimulus to the body and then eventually see the result that you want to get. And, you know, I was the type of kid I grew up, you know, I was told, Hey, you can't, you know, speed is, is genetic and, and jumping is genetic. And while I was semi-decent, like, pretty good athlete you know I could dunk in 10th grade I was you know I was I come from a school where uh you know um I was in elementary the minority and I was actually also one of the faster kids you know I was always known as the fast white boy on the playground but uh you know it's it's one of those things where even though I had that you were also told hey you know you have a ceiling and for me to be able to work with guys and apply this stimulus like I said apply a stress to the body and then see them, you know, see them light up when they're able to hit that 40 time or hit that vertical jump or that bench press they never thought they can get. You know, it's it's just a, it's an amazing uh, it's amazing. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just it's overall amazing. It's so fulfilling, you know, and uh, I want to make sure that I can pay homage to the guys that were able to teach me to be able to utilize these tools to give to these kids. Great stuff. And uh so like I mean you you you're like myself. I'd always say that too. Like that I haven't invented anything, but I'd say like you know I'm an innovator. You know I I I, I you know I uh, accumulate information from so many different resources and try and put it into uh, uh, my own system and try to interpret it in sort of in my own way and Absolutely. and utilize these methods. I'll tell you one thing though, uh, and it's funny too. You were saying like nothing. You know you were saying that you want to give credit to people and tell that you you come up with your own thing and. Even if you did come up with your own thing, you'll be like, motherfucker, this was already done 100 years ago. <laughs> there's nothing new. At least from what I'm experiencing, there's nothing new. It's how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go yeah. and then basically make it your own. You know, when I say make it your own, it's not that you don't pay homage to the people that, that obviously you learned it from. It's, hey, I'm constantly, I'm just obsessed with improvement. And that's just me and who, who I've been. So whether that be training, whatever kind of, language we're speaking in life and business and, and whatever it is, you know, relationships, I'm obsessed with improvement and, and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and through that, that energy is, is just a matter of, you know, showing love to where I'm learning it from, but then also being able to look at it outside the box and how can we take this a step further? I mean, but sure, that's, that's what evolution is all about. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's about, you know, uh, um, um, 
continual progression, continual growth, and you know, advancing to, to higher levels of understanding and that's that is just that is just the process of evolution and, and it's in as you said, it's in every aspect. It's not just within training here that we're talking about, it's in life, it's in business and okay. I mean that that's we're always trying to step forward and, and build off uh build off what's coming before and stand on the shoulders of giants. So absolutely. I'll tell you one thing, you, you should, you should actually contact Carl. He'd love to, he'd love to speak to you and get your thoughts and feedbacks on, on triphasic. He's just that type of guy. Like, so uh, you should definitely uh, get in contact with him. I should reach out to him and let him know how much he's changed. You know, he's been able to help support me and, and, and some of the athletes I've worked with. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to get a hold of him, but uh, I'll, some, I'll, uh, you know, it's crazy. He just he just recently uh uh you know I don't really I'm not huge on social media I have kind of a big uh, I don't I don't I guess I would say small compared to most people out there but like a you know Instagram and I saw he followed me on there I usually don't check too much on there but I saw he followed me on there so maybe I should reach out to him send him a personal message and absolutely. just thank him and you know reach out and talk to him yeah absolutely I think you guys would get on great. Just for some reason came to my head there. Do, do you know who Mike Isertel is and Eric Helms? Do you know those guys? I've heard I've heard the name. They one of them they own an online training business, correct? Well, Eric Helms is, is 3D Muscle Journey. Isertel is kind of like his own guy. Well, he he's involved with uh, Renaissance Periodization and he does a bit with Juggernaut and Chad Wesley Smith. But just they'd be guys I think you'd get on really well with as well. I think they'd be guys you should you definitely should connect with. But definitely I think you and Carl would get on like a house on fire so i mean I, i've i've uh i've i know cal pretty well through email and i, I can contact him and put you guys in touch with that would be awesome I, I, would, I would really appreciate that yeah 100 just an interesting side note there you were just talking about how much the triphasic training had an impact on you know uh, certain performance measures within your own training with your athletes there's mm-hmm. a there's a gentleman called Derek evely and uh, Derek is probably one of the most well-read individuals when it comes to uh, programming and the organization of training and periodization and one thing he kind of brought up in a recent talk I was at with Derek was he was like is it really the method or is it simply just a variation in training because we know that variation is such a potent stimulus in training so and he's, he, he, I thought it was a very interesting point he brought up that sometimes it's just the actual variation of brand new stimulus that is what leads to these performance measures. Because, again, if we keep applying the same stimulus over time, we'll obviously get a diminished return or what Louis Simmons would call law of accommodation or what Mike Isertel actually calls adaptive resistance. And then the other thing, too, is that this is something brought up by Verkashansky and was reiterated by a gentleman called Joseph Johnson. He owns uh, Ultimate Athlete Concepts, so he would like do a lot of um, book publishing for like the likes of uh, Vladimir Ishrin and Dr. Bondarchuk and Dr. Yeses and all that. And he brought up a good point. And again, I originally heard about this from Verkashansky in that if you you don't want to apply too an advanced a stimulus to an immature organism because you basically kind of like you take that like magic bullet out of your gun that you could have saved for later. So it's mm-hmm. kinda it's kinda like knowing when to uh, apply an advanced stimulus to maybe more of an immature organism or athlete. And so again, kind of like if we apply it too soon and they get a great, you know, initial sort of um, performance enhancement. And then, but then, what happens then when that tapers off? Whereas we could have probably milked the gains they were getting on something that was a less of a le, le, less less of a potent stimulus, but they still would have progressed steadily along. And then, when we really milked that out on the second plateau, then we could have applied the the more advanced stimulus. So it's just because I see, I do see a lot of people going, oh, I'm doing triphasic with my high school kids, and I'm kind of like, do they really need to be doing that? Because like triphasic triphasic is kind of like that silver. And of course, they're going to get response off. We've got them; they're teenagers, you know. 
And, and again, if it's something they've never done before, you're, you're going to get a response. So it's just interesting thought process that Derek brought to my attention, I thought. So just interesting and maybe something that you might meditate on now afterwards. And, yeah, you know. I actually like that. What I notice is, you know, what, from what I, like to, what I like to think of it as is there's – if you break down the athletes into two groups, you know, if you think of them as an immature and mature. And when I say mature, meaning they're, oh, they're just – they're elite. Right, they're they're the elite of the elite. Um, they they trust what the program they're in. They don't necessarily need too much uh, for themselves. Uh, they don't need too much. They basically put their head down and they operate themselves as elite. Then you have this younger crowd where where, where you're referring to, and absolutely when it comes to you know uh, variation things of that nature um, and programming, their stimulus that they can receive is is they're gonna they're gonna get better. Uh, uh, you know, three sets of 10 is going to get them better. You know, like you said, you don't need to do, you don't really need to get too fancy with them. Where I think it lies is how you as the coach are able to, and and this is me getting a little bit more, you know, like I said, I'm in the trenches and, and I'm, I'm really working with these guys where it lies is being able to get the most out of them. So I've recently worked with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Squat, Fred Hatfield. And, um, we've, we've, come together um we've actually had some projects god bless him he actually just recently passed would you chris would you actually believe this is no word of a lie we were meant to do a podcast interview today wow really so i swear i swear on well I, i'm not i'm not i'm not I, i'm not affiliated to any religion i'm a, I'm a, I'm a universal man but i i promise yeah like i actually literally two days before he passed on the messenger on facebook we were like okay 7th of, of june we were booked in. I think we were booked in for 12, 12 p.m. Yeah, Eastern Standard Time, and two days later he passed. Yeah. The last thing I got from him was a thumbs up on the Facebook. Oh, when I found out, I was devastated because he was someone I've been wanting to be for so, so long. Oh, he's an amazing person. Amazing. I mean, he's an absolute legend in the industry, and I think it's, I think it's a shame that you know this younger generation may not even know who he is. I think he's actually one of the person people that have had probably one of, if not the biggest contributions to this industry and to everything that we're uh, doing now. Uh, you know, there's so much, and I didn't even know this. You know, I, I'm almost ashamed to say it to myself. I didn't even know this. But to give you a little background, um, he approached, obviously, he approached Elliot and I to help support him get his message out. And after I sat down with this gentleman and, and went over back and forth with things, you know, I knew who he was because he's from a local area and I knew, you know, about a certification and things of that nature, but I didn't know to an extent some of the stories this gentleman had. And as I sat down with him, I said, oh, my gosh, I said, you know, it's this isn't just about your books. We need to get your story out there. Uh, so just to give you a heads up, not too many people know this. Um, me and our media team, our film crew, uh, actually shot. A what will be eventually a, a documentary, uh, right the day before he went to Hawaii, and I believe like the day he got back is I was actually supposed to meet him that day to finalize things, and uh, and that's when I found out he passed, and it just broke my heart because although I just started to get to know him, it it was just a crazy crazy experience being able to know him for such a short amount of time and being able to you know talk training and. And we really hit it off as far as training and, and it almost like he immediately became like a, you know, he, he, he gets geeked up like me. And, you know, we started talking training and, 
things of that nature. And we were able to go deep into the some, some of the science in it. And like, for instance, we were talking really deep on complex training. He was talking to me about Russians. And it's so great because he re, he's like me, you know, we can get real geeked on the academia. And then, you know, we can he could tell a story about about the Russians, you know, about how he drank vodka with them and stuff. So it was just it's one of those things where it's like, man, like what I, I was so fortunate to be able to meet him and talk with him and uh, for the little time we had. Uh, but I say that because uh, we had a talk and, uh, you know, one of our talks stemmed from, uh, you know, and, and Ellie always used to say this, but for, for some reason I keep hearing this with some of the best strength coaches, especially when it's pertaining to new athletes and new people who haven't received these stimulus. And like you said, you're going from baby steps to having them sprint, you know, as far as in your programming. I mean that as far as, you know, basically taking uh, some of the most advanced um, stimuluses you can apply and, and, and doing it probably a little bit prematurely. But one thing that always stuck out to me that they both, um, that he said, and recently, and Elliot used to always say is, I could give you the worst program in the world. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I could give you the best program in the world, and you could perform it with, uh, you know, your energy and your intensity towards that could be half-assed. Then I could give you the worst program in the world, and you could approach it with all the intensity, the intent, and the motive behind it to reach the goal that you want. And that obviously that that, that program where it's uh, you know it's it's uh, not as good is always going to weigh out. So it's all about your approach to that and the process that you develop around that. And and that's why I said there's two groups because what I notice is with this immature group or this group that, uh, of athletes that I typically work with, it's all about their approach and making them fall in love with the process. And and sometimes it's little to do with the reps and sets and tempos that I'm working with them. Now, when I work with these elite guys, like I said, I have some MLB guys and they know what time it is. Look, the check is on the line. You know, they're, they're, they're in a contract year or this and that. And they shut their brain off and go. And like I said, you could pull out some of those modalities later on. Those are the guys that I'll, I can obviously work with that a little bit more. Um, and, and it's kind of being as a coach, being able to decipher what that particular athlete needs. You know, are they next to their ceiling? Do I need to pull out the big guns? Or are they somebody who can receive that benefit from straight up five by five strength, you know? So it, it's, it, and that's the beauty of, you know, gaining experience, especially me as a coach is as I continue to get along, you know, one thing I'm, I'm so grateful for is being able to run through a basic assessment with an athlete and see exactly where they're at. And then being able to, I mean, I get geeked up about, you know, going, working with an athlete and seeing them move for an hour and then going and, and, and just completely writing out on, the, on, on my whiteboard all their training and, and the approach that we need to take for the next two and a half months. And, hey, if I see you a year from now, here's where we want to be at. So it's really an exciting thing. And I think you can't make it black and white because of it depends really on the athlete. That is such a fascinating story to our friend there, isn't it? That it's hey, such a small world. You, know, you knew uh, you, you were talking about Jay Schroeder. I met Jay Schroeder. You're talking about Fred. I booked in for a podcast. This is just like serendipity. That's pretty crazy. This is just serendipity that's right here. So, this, um, but that's yeah, that's a fantastic answer. It was just something I, I was uh, from from a training 
perspective is just something I've been meditating on a lot lately, and also um, yeah, but I like that. That's that's very it's it's it, to you it's it's uh, for, now that you say that it's so it, I think it's so important for some of these kids to understand because some of these kids, like you said, like you know uh, they don't need to to to, to they can receive the, a certain stimulus. Uh, it doesn't need to be as fancy. The modalities don't need to be as fancy, yeah. and they can receive the that. Um, I, I don't think I've ever played too much thought into, hey, bringing out the big guns later, like you said. But, you know, uh, I have no ego in this as long as they're getting the best stimulus. And, and now that you say that, it's like, wow, I, I need to let that simmer. And that's a pretty good idea. You know, there's some ideas behind that for sure. Mm-hmm. So something I'd like to ask uh, guests in the show, Chris, is what is really exciting you mostly right now in your life? You know, be that research or is there like is there a specific topic that you're deeply studying right now? Did you take a course recently that really made you change? Have you thought about a, a certain topic? Is there a book that's kind of changing the way you view a, a certain aspect of your life, or just what's really exciting you mostly right now? Yeah, so uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's it's really what you're, um, you know, you're into, and and to kind of go on the different layers of my life right now. Um, you know, spiritually about a year ago, I really came across, uh, uh, an amazing book. Um, I read this gentleman's work before, um, and I just, it, it was, I don't want to say it was over my head. I just wasn't ready for it. I could understand it, but I wasn't ready for it to receive it. Um, and one day I actually was reading this book and I was actually listening to it cause I listen to books. I probably listen, I, I consume a lot of books, but I, it's because I listen and I run, I, I run basically an hour. Uh, three, four times a week. So I, I'm able to, you know, and then I have a 30, 20 minute drive. So I'm able to consume quite a amount. And one day I just was like, you know, uh, like, you know, I just remembered saying, Hey, I'm going to pay attention now. And, uh, and, uh, it's actually called the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, which you know, is pretty mainstream. A lot of people know about it. Some people have read it. Uh, but something in that introduction that he said, it completely transformed, um, my life in the way that I, approach things and uh you know a lot of people you know call it like you want uh some people could say awakening enlightenment things of that nature um but it it just hit me like a ton of bricks and i was completely able to separate my mind and my incessant mind stream from my being at the particular moment so not to get too deep into it but his teachings uh have continued to i just i'm continuously wanting to get deeper and that's as far as uh um, my life right now. Um, as far as business goes, uh, some people may not know this, but uh, Ellie and I are working, uh, are constantly working on developing amazing product to be able to bring to the world through strength camps. Uh, we believe coaching is the future, working with people and supporting them. So we're doing our best to continue to build up our gym here and then build other gyms in other areas. You know, I want to bring strength and conditioning uh, and that type of programming to the masses. You know, I believe that there's a rhyme and reason to how you train. And there's obviously a very um, personalized format of doing that. But being able to do it in a semi-private group training setting like we have here, um, we want to continue to expand. So through that and, and continuously trying to build more strength camps, I've had to get into uh, and learn a lot about business. And uh, so I'm constantly um, studying 
and, uh, and, and reading new business aspects. And, and, and what I notice is I always try to get better myself. Um, Ellie likes to say this, but it, it, you know, when you're focused on yourself, it's the most selfish, but the most selfless thing you can also do at the same time, because as you build yourself up, you have no choice but to help others. So I'm constantly seeing, you know, and, and when I say this, uh, speaking on a, uh, on a, a grassroots level for myself, this would be, you know, things such as, you know, me getting, reading books that are going to support me in my time management or my business management or how to work with people. You know, I think there's timeless books like how to win friends and influence people that continuously help me as a manager. You know, as we continue to grow our operation here, you know, I think we have about 11 guys with us now. So even me, you know, working with these young guys, it's in a different format now. So it's, it's about me building myself up and who I'm being uh, and to be able to support them. And then when it comes to training, um, like I said, I just got done with uh, triphase again. I want to say probably all of last year I was really deep into that. You know, I don't want to say that I almost hate to admit, but like uh, I, I've had a big transformation where I just used to read just training books and then it's focused. Now it's kind of shifted towards business. But to keep myself uh, grounded and continue to perfect my craft as a coach, um, I have to what I usually do is once a quarter, I try to buy almost like a uh, like a big almost like a textbook style. Uh, tr something with training and uh, try to break it down. And right now, um, you know, obviously with me meeting Fred and going a little bit deeper and trying to go down that rabbit hole of complex training, you know, I talked actually with Fred about triphasing and, you know, he was aware of it. I don't think he knew to what extent what new literature was out, like, you know, Cal Deed stuff. But uh, we spoke briefly on it and we kind of talked the science behind it. And what he started showing me was, uh, he started showing me based off these graphs some of what the Russians were doing with complex training. So I've actually had this inclination to kind of what I usually do is I start on kind of like a surface level where somebody just kind of introduces it. Um, there's a guy's book I just bought on complex training, but it's it's a little dated. I want to say it was probably in the early 90s, late 80s. I think his name and I could be wrong because I haven't read this book yet. But I believe his name is Dr. Choi, Cho, C-H-O-U, I could be wrong. Chu. Uh, oh, no, Chu. sorry, sorry, no, so did you say C-H-U? C-H-O-U, I think. Oh, well, there's a guy called Donald Chu who... who uh, that's him, that's him, that's him, that's him. Yeah, so I'm actually interviewing Don next, next Monday. Oh, that's amazing, that's crazy. I just bought his book about complex training, so I'll start there, but then, like I said, I'll, I'll probably go... Um, you know, as, as deep as that goes, because I, I understand like Fred was showing me uh, some of these. He was he was popping names to me about these Russian coaches I've never even heard before. So maybe maybe this gentleman's work is great. Like I said, I just purchased it. Um, but I, I, I want to say it was I mean, at least the book, the book in and of itself, it looks like it was made in the 90s. Mm. Uh, so I'll be reading that. And um, those are the, essentially the three different. So if I had to say my personal life, you know, I'm, I'm constantly uh, I'm geeked up about you know this 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 new teaching I'm learning from Eckhart Tolle. Uh, when it comes to training, you know I'm I'm, I'm going to go as deep as I possibly can go as far as complex training, uh, and add that element to my to my toolbox. And then when it comes to business, um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm really on the personal development kick and 
how, how, how much I can bring myself up uh, to be able to support others. I'm actually holding the power now in my hand. I, I read it um, back in the summer of 2015. It's a fantastic book. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and it was one of those things where it, it's crazy because I tell people when I read that, you know, it's it's you can't go in looking for that particular thing. It just so happened that, you know, he just he, he, I swear to you, it was he tells a story in the beginning about how he was in his 29th year. I was 29 years old. I, I, I don't know what it was. It was just something that just resonated with me. And and uh, and uh, it, it, I experienced it. Now, there's only I only experienced this what he's talking about for for about two weeks before it receded. Um, you know, thing, things happen in life and I was trying to hold on to this and, and, uh, but you know, as far as the teachings go within that, based on my experience I had within those two weeks, it's something that I was able to see. Um, I was able to understand myself. I was, I was able to operate with no fear. You know, people say they have no fear, but do you truly, you know, to, to truly experience not being, cause ultimately uh, you know, a lot of it stems back to, you know, the fear of death, the fear of annihilation. And, mm. and, uh, and when you are absolutely able to drop that, um, life becomes, and it takes on a completely different tone and to have that, uh, it, it just be present in every moment was a, was a crazy experience to me. And I, uh, I, I get, I'm absolutely fascinated with continuing to better myself into, uh, into, uh, and to see where that takes me and to continue to learn and, and get better at that practice, if you will. Chris, I'm telling you, the, the universe has brought us together because I've been, yeah. speaking, I've been speaking about this concept of uncertainty and death and been meditating so much on it over the last, I'd say, six months. And what this, this sort of um, thought process came to me that, you know, that a lot of the uh, belief systems and habitual behaviors and um, a lot of the certain actions people take on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, they do because it gives them a sense of control in their lives because at the end of the day and at, and at a very deep level in the back of our minds, we have to come to acceptance that, that we're all going to die and that we're all mortal, and that death brings with it a huge amount of uncertainty, and that the only thing that we can do in the face of this uncertainty is to accept it. And I think what a lot of people do on a subconscious level to um, to, to to medicate themselves, if you like, or to to cope. That's it. To 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 cope with this idea or this this fact. It's just pure truth that that we don't know what is uh, what is after this life, and that that does bring with it um, a huge element of uncertainty that a lot of people, what they do then is they hang on to belief systems like religious, uh, religious, system, uh, religious beliefs, ideological beliefs, political beliefs. And they use these mechanisms as, as like safety blankets. It gives them again, a sense of control in their life. And even like other things like habitual behavior habits, like, you know, I get up at this time and I always eat this meal and I always go to this place on this day. And, it's these mechanisms that give people a sense of control and that kind of, it's always steering them away from having to actually sit down and, and meditate on the fact that, listen, we're all going to die and there's no running away from it. So you're better off right now coming to acceptance with it, 
Because if you don't, you're going to continuously live in a life of fear and never go after what your true purpose is here in life. And just like you were saying that, that's what the power now has kind of taught you. Because I was saying this to a gentleman yesterday, I believe every single human being on this planet has the same purpose, and that is to find their own heaven on earth. Now, how somebody finds that heaven on earth is where we all become individual. For a musician, it's bringing music into creation. For a poet, it's bringing poetry into creation. For a, a, um, a writer, it's bringing beautiful literature into creation. For us as coaches, it's bringing into creation the ability to facilitate growth and empowerment in our clients and our athletes that we spoke about earlier on. So, yes, absolutely, 100%. You're speaking my language, yes. I think you just said it beautifully. I think you just summed it up beautifully. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an author who I think you would absolutely love to read, and he, he's a gentleman who actually only passed away last August, and he was old. But I always had these aspirations that I would meet him before he passed. But his name was Joseph Shilton Pierce. And I actually originally heard of him through Paul Check's work. Because Paul's been a big influence to me. Paul's been on this podcast twice. And I love Paul's Paul's work. Um, and Joseph Shilton Pierce wrote a lot on spiritual development and, and uh, human development and human behavior. And an awful lot on child development. And, and, you know, again, how the environment is such a huge factor in shaping an individual and a human being. And, like uh, people who listen to my podcasts are well aware that I'm a huge, huge um, proponent of uh, understanding epigenetics. You know, epigenetics really m- made me appreciate that the environment dictates and shapes an organism's expression. Yes. And, and and when when you come to that awareness and when you come to an appreciation that all you can have for yourself first of all, and for everyone else and everything else around you is unconditional love unconditional acceptance compassion empathy understanding discernment and yes these things are way easier said than done unless that is the environment that you were initially exposed to from day one but most of us aren't you know but um i think i i think you know understanding again that I think the ability to be able to step back and always ask the question why is very crucial instead of I think most people are reactive in their mindset and they want to just judge straight away because that's all they've known as themselves of individuals. They've always been judged so it's the way they react as well to external circumstances instead of being able to step back and really ask yourself are these really my thoughts? Are these really my belief systems or are these just my indoctrinations? Is this just my conditioning? Like am I really seeing reality through my own eyes here and my own filter? And I think that, you know, I think that's, again, another huge uh, purpose in life is to is self-actualization, to really be able to strip away all the conditions and indoctrinations and the masks that we've been handed down through our upbringing from our parents and our, our peers and schooling and the social systems we've been brought up in. And it could be religious ideologies too, to be able to strip that all away and really find out who you are and who you really are is just a, a spirit having a human experience on this planet. But going back to this idea again of certainty and death, I, I'm 100% with you. I, I think that people are always subconsciously or even consciously, they're, they're always avoiding the topic of death and what they do as a coping mechanism or to compensate for this fact that they don't want to think about death or meditate on it is they come up with these certain belief systems, again, be them religious belief systems or ideo- uh, ideological belief systems or political belief systems or habitual habits because it gives them a sense of control. It's a safety blanket. Yes. And, then, and then if you if you attack these safety blankets, it's an attack on their quote-unquote ego, and then it's just a vicious cycle then, when really we need to realize that 
you can never ever be offended by anyone. There's a great book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm, yes, very good. One. And he he talks about uh, one of his agreements is don't take anything personally. And he says to be offended is one of the highest forms of selfishness because you think it's all about you and really that's just an insecurity of the individual and they're just reflecting it onto you because they see something in you that they wish that they could do. Usually it's a it's a, pr- a passive aggressive thing. So like. That's why, like, haters hate on the internet. Like, so Elliot gets those comments, or you get comments, and they're going, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, man." But really, what that individual is saying is, "I really wish I had the balls Chris has to st- step in front of a camera and show how much love and passion he has for what he's doing." Absolutely. Name a name name a hater who's doing better than you. Exactly. You can't. <laughs> and they, they they usually they usually say if you have haters, you're doing something right. But I think right. uh, I think Joseph Sheldon Pierce's work is something you would absolutely love. His writings are just yes. are absolutely incredible. I would love for you to send me send me uh, send me his his information his name I, and uh, I immediately want to get into it. You said he has some books, some literature. Yeah, he's got like seven or eight books. I've read three of them cover, cover to cover. Like so, one is called The Biology of Transcendence. Another is uh, The Death of Religion and the Rebirth of Spirit. What a great book name for a book. Um, wow! Yeah, I'm and, already uh, interested. <laughs> and then, and uh, the heart mind matrix. So uh, another thing he speaks about, like another thing I'm fascinated with, and, and I'd say you you also have a fascination with, is the concept of creative creativity, like creating something from nothing. And the way Joseph Shilton Pierce describes it is that like the universe basically is the creator. The universe is just unlimited potential energy that can be morphed into anything in terms of bringing into something tangible. It brings into something that we can see and feel and touch. And basically, so the universe is the creator and you are the creative. And I've heard Elliot say this before. It's basically what they say in in, uh, in, in some in some religious uh, texts, do God's work through you. Uh, you just interpret it as do the universe's work through you. So like, again, the universe is the creative potential. Yeah, you're the, or is the creator potential. You're the creative. And essentially it's like the universe is a negative charge and it's looking for the perfect positive charge. And when it connects with you, then it's like if you're a musician, boom, you get this amazing song or this piece of music, and then you just bring it into creation. If you're a poet, boom, you get this beautiful poem in your head. If you're, again, a, a writer, boom, this beautiful piece of literature, boom, you're a, a strength and conditioning coach. I just thought about a new method that I think will help with developing elastic reactive strength in my athletes or whatever it is. You bring, you bring this unlimited, unconditional, so it's unconditional love, this energy, there's no judgment on it, it's, it's omnipresent, it doesn't have rules or doctrines or commandments you have to follow, uh, that you bring this unpotential energy and love from the universe, and then you filter it into something that is a beautiful creation. And then the last beautiful piece is, when you bring something into creation, it, you don't own it, you give it to everyone else. And, yes. it, and then, and so like, like a song, so like a song, so when a musician writes a song and then and then puts notes to it and music to it and he puts it out into the world, he's basically telling the world, this this is what I brought into creation with, with the creator, with the higher power, with the universe, and now this song is for everyone. You can interpretate this song any way you want. It's yours. If there's no wrong, there's no right. If you like the song because of this and it means this to you, then that's your truth. If you, lo- if you love this song because it means this to you, then that's your truth. And that's what Shilton Pierce talked about in his book, and I just thought it was like one of the most beautiful things I ever read in my life. Yes, I gotta read this. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just the the the, the concept of creativity is just I think you know it's, it's, it's amazing, you know. So I like that. Have you ever read Flow? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah very similar. Very similar to that. And absolutely. The, yeah. the, when you're you know when you're speaking about different you know being able to reset in different you know variations, whether you're a poet, whether you're a musician, whether you're 
a coach, um, being able to reach that flow state. And I think that's when you're absolutely able to reach um, authentic empathy, where you don't have these mindset of of trying to uh, uh, judge or judge yourself or or you know what will the world think or this or that. Being able to reach that flow and operate out of that. And, and that's what a lot of these musicians are able to get. And, and you sense that, you know, and it's always measured by the motive and the intent that you have. So if that motive intent is pure, meaning like, hey, it's not that I'm consciously deciding on this is motive, this motive is pure. It's I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. And I absolutely love, you know, this is, this is where I'm at. And I want to give this. Whether they receive it or not, you're not judging on how the world's going to receive it. And some, and what I believe is the best people in any, whether whether it be poetry, whether it be music, whether it be coaching, it's the ones that operate that don't worry about the judgment that they're going to receive. They're more worried about, hey, I'm doing, you know, what I truly believe in my heart, and I'm putting it out there. Yeah, and again, I mean, Paul Check has a great saying: if you don't wear it, you can't share it. So if if you aren't on the continuous journey of trying to discover unconditional love and acceptance for yourself, well, then you can never give it away. And therefore, you're always going to be worried about what others think when really behind all that, you're worried about what you really think of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you are if you were comfortable, if you truly did, uh, and, and again, it's not a destination. I always say this. Your unconditional love and acceptance for yourself and others is 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 is, is dynamic on a moment-to-moment basis. Because I say this too. Humans are shaped by chronic and acute variables. Our chronic variables are things like our upbringing. So that, that's a chronic variable that, that has a huge uh, a huge detriment in shaping who any any individual is in any given moment. Now, that can, of course, can be changed because we know that you can rewrite your subconscious belief systems. But acutely, then, we have things like nutrition, hydration, and sleep, and circadian rhythms, and exercise. Like Acutely, those can, can profoundly impact who any individual is on a moment-to-moment basis. And the key thing is to have the awareness of these variables that, that shape people and, and to, to, to also have the awareness again that everyone is the way they are for a reason. And i got to thank Jock Fresco for bringing up my awareness. Because again, once you realize that everyone and everything is the way they are for a reason, again, all you can have for yourself and for everyone else and for everything else is unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, compassion, empathy, understanding, discernment, always asking, always having the ability, no matter how big the situation may seem or how horrendous an act is by an individual to be always able to step back and ask why why did this happen why is this the way it is and if you look at any of the great leaders or the great spiritual leaders we've had throughout history like i always think even about jesus i know and i know you're comfortable talking about jesus because obviously you hang around elliot like and i'm not i'm definitely not a religious man I, I'm definitely more, and I know this kind of everyone's saying this nowadays, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, but I would definitely be a man of the universe. And like when people all say to me, uh, uh, who are you, where are you from? I'm like, I'm Robbie, and I'm from planet Earth. <laughs> but yeah. like even the, the the story of Jesus, whether whether it's an actual true story or it's just an analogy to get a point across, but Jesus' love was, Jesus had such a high level of unconditional love that as he was being murdered, He told his murderers, I love you, I forgive you, because I understand you are the way you are for a reason. And that is is the highest, highest form of love, which is kind of ironic, because then people who, you know, who are the Christians, they're always the ones trying to fucking bomb things and, you know, condemn other religions. Like, if Jesus came back, he'd be like, "Uh, this is is not what I meant. (laughs) 
and, yeah. and, and yeah. he'd he, he be in the name of love and peace. <laughs> exactly, he'd be the last person. Like he'd be like, "Why have you made a guru out of me? Stop doing that." Yeah, exactly. A but lot I, of people can't understand that. But I, I definitely think that that's 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 part of our evolution is to transcend now into those forms of unconditional love for ourselves and others. Because the argument that you're, you're often getting is one people are like the Richard Dawkins of the world is like a fundamental level we're just selfish and we're doggy dog and cold blooded. I'm like. I actually believe we were that, but then there's this thing called evolution, and if you look at our, our brain structures, and this comes from Joseph Shilton Pierce's work, Shilton Pierce is like, we, we were cold-blooded, and we, we were about survival, but that was our reptilian brain, and then evolution is like, mm, you know, if we want to keep progressing and going forward here in this thing called evolution, we, we got to add some more higher structures to the brain here, so he's like, I'm going to give you an emotional brain, a Malmerian brain, a limbic system, so you can feel more compassion and empathy, and then that only got us so far, because then evolution is like, you know, we, we need some more, a little more intelligence so that we can start to invent things and make things and build things and progress even further. And like, right, we're going to give you a neocortex and some frontal lobes then has been our latest addition to our brain. And then to step out, out on from that, then a lot of people believe now the next step is more spiritual and esoteric and going beyond the physical body. And again, this concept of being so unconditional that again, that our true calling is to, is to just contribute to one another. It's to first of all, find the unconditional love and forgiveness and understanding of ourselves and then that when we're when we realize that we're on that journey we're going to emit that energy to every other human being around us and then it's just going to be a collective consciousness that we come together so it's an evolution towards this rather because that joseph Shilton pierce would argue for richard dawkins that that's that's involution if you're if you're going back to your reptilian brain that's that you're de-evolving as a person the lower, he's like the lower structure is starting to rule the higher structure he's like that's not the way evolution works evolution is always going it's not going for a regression and and again what Chilton Pierce speaks about in his books and it's fantastic and this touches on the concept of epigenetics again is that the environment that the embryo is exposed to while the mother is pregnant is so huge in determining what specific areas of the brain will kind of control that sort of subconscious belief system and the sort of the 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 the, the sort of brain reactions that the, the child will be more wired to have later on in their life as, as they grow up so Shilton Pierce speaks about if you take a pregnant mammal and stress her versus a pregnant mammal who's in a very secure and loving environment, the biochemical wiring to the brain systems are completely different. So the stressed mother, her her fetus, her baby is being wired for a fight or flight world, a sympathetic system world, a dog eat dog world, more blood flow, nutrition and, and uh, neural wiring is going to the reptilian brain. So this is going to be a person who's going to be a real, you know, fuck you glass half the glass is half empty it's dog eat dog i better look after myself and not be worried about anyone else and if i do do any acts of violence or something that harms people i'll 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 ask the higher structures of my brain to rationalize while we've done it so again the lower is in charge of the of the higher structures which is not what we want whereas if the mother is in a loving environment secure environment that baby's getting more blood flow and biochemical wiring and nutrition to the to the higher realms of the brain, the cortex and frontal lobes, and now that baby's being told the world is a loving, securing place, and that baby's basically saying, "I'm going to contribute. I'm going to try and always understand and show empathy and compassion. I, I'm going to like the glass is half full. I'm always going to step back and ask why. I'm always going to try and be someone who's going to show compassion and empathy, and and again try to contribute to society. So again, going back to like how important the environment is in shaping the organism and you know, really goes to like when our, 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 our females in the world are pregnant, us males really got to make sure that we do look after them. So I know, I know I rambled there, but I know this is stuff you love to talk no, about it's, too. It's fascinating. That's, it's, 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 it's fascinating 
uh, work, and I, I'm I'm 100% jiving with everything you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like coaches often listen to to, to these podcasts, and, and you know, so I I understand. And again, this goes by. Listen, everyone who's listening to this right now, you you have you are who you are right now in this given moment of time, based on all the experiences you've had right up until now. So you are going to interpretate this conversation me and Chris having in different ways. Because some people are always like, you know, this is interesting, but what's it got to do with coaching? And I'm like, it's everything. Because everything's connected. You know, and, and the more quantum physics is research, it's proven that everything's just energy and vibration. Everything's connected. But you are training humans. And if you if you don't try to understand human psychology and, and, you, and human behavioral psychology, you're missing a massive part and you're doing a huge disservice to the athletes and clients in front of you. Because again, everyone and everything is the way they are for a reason. And once you start Absolutely. and once you start to meditate on that, all you as I said now twice already, all you can start to try to facilitate in yourself. And it has to begin with you, first of all. Because again, as Paul Check has said and I said earlier, if you don't share it, or if you don't wear it, you can't share it. And I also just want to say too, and you, you probably noticed, Chris, I'm definitely not saying this as someone who's sitting up in a pedestal saying, I'm this perfect human being. You better do just as I say. I am just as fucked up as anyone listening to this episode. I have the same fears, the same idiosyncrasies, the same, you know, uh, um, control mechanism. Like, I have the same sort of habits that, that probably are giving me a sense of control in my life. Like, I'm on this journey just like everyone else is. But I just the point I'm trying to make is that the reason that I think these concepts are important is that humans are the way they are for a reason and and they have all these fucked up behaviors and for us to ultimately be the best possible coaches to facilitate growth and process and everyone we come in contact with is to understand these mechanisms and to understand them first of all within ourselves and to to look in in and of ourselves and say listen i'm gonna always do my best because that's all you can ever ask is your best that's all you can ever ask in any given moment i'm gonna do my best to have unconditional love for myself to have acceptance for myself and, and when I do fuck up, if I do really unconditionally love myself, I'll also have forgiveness. And then with other people, I'm always going to try and show, share those qualities and also have compassion and empathy. And I'm always going to try and understand and always ask the question why. Like one of my favorite stories is when Pope John Paul got shot. And the first thing he did, Chris, was he went to the prison and forgave the man. And I think that's the, like that is I really think that's what humans I think that's what we're evolving to I think that's I, I like the, the Dalai Lama in all his books Dalai Lama fundamentally believes that we're all meant to be compassionate beings to one another so I, I believe that's where evolution is bringing us in terms of like again how our brains have developed you know we've gone from this this real reactive brain to more of a caring loving brain to a brain that can create and invent things and as long as we use that creative and inventing brain to bring things into creation that will help facilitate positive aspects of life and growth and evolution i think that's where we're meant to go rather than when the lower brain takes over and builds bombs and nuclear fucking weapons and says i'm in control and to the higher brain this is the higher brain you'll also rationalize why while we're doing this you know so yes yeah so sorry i completely rambled on there no i'm not, like i said man i'm i'm 100 i'm letting you you're in the flow right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. i just I, I love yeah obviously there's an energy coming like off off you that's that's facilitating me saying this stuff and i often say the same things over and over again but it's always trying to consolidate it in my mind i suppose you know um, oh it's, this is refreshing you know i thought we were going to be talking coaching just straight 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 coaching and uh it's, it's awesome to see that we're able to connect like this yeah yeah listen i, I know you're probably short in time and i'd have to go soon but just finishing up here uh what what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your life and then after that what, what would your top advice be to everyone listening then in terms of you know life advice or it could be going back to even just training advice but yeah robbie i i could, could we possibly i hate to ask you could we pause no for like two seconds 
Yeah. Just for two seconds, because I know you're recording this. Is it okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna be right back. I just need to run to the restroom. Uh, I don't know if you pause that or if you want to go back into we're, we're it. Right, we're right on. That. We're right on here, so you can continue. Yeah. So, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you, you've learned so far? Um. Oh, that's a that's a uh, can of worms. What in what uh, respect are you referring to training? Are you referring to any anything you want to go with? So, if you want to give one from training or one from life or. Something that I suppose it probably would have been a big turning point. Maybe, probably something that at the time you were like, holy shit, I wish this wasn't in my life. But maybe you look back and said, that was probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in terms of I had to overcome adversity. Mm. You know, I can just, you know, and it's, and it's funny you were talking about chronic and acute. And, you know, you're, you're basically the summation of, of your, uh, you know, your life. And, uh, and, uh, as I see that, I can only venture back. Now, there's two ways of uncovering, you know. You're obviously, there's there's things that have happened to you in your life and that have shaped and molded you. And then there's subconscious things that have happened, you know, and it's being able to uncover those layers, you know. Stemming back from, you know, I, I'm, I guess I can get esoteric with it, but, you know, there's there's things that I've uncovered in my life of, of me being an accident, meaning like my parents' energy. And you were talking about this, you know. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> but but there's there's things that I'm I'm constantly working with within myself, and you know there was things of you know me being six years younger than my my uh, uh, brother and sister, and and then my parents not planning me and having me, and the energy that was like you were referring to. Uh, before the energy that when I was in the womb of, of how I've come out of there and, and my own self-worth and things of that nature. Absolutely. So there's definitely a, a uh, you know, you interpret things subconsciously and you you add them into the fold and, you, you, you know, you kind of shape and mold yourself and how you interact with people. And, uh, and I think that eventually grows into that. And then you obviously said there's acute things where it's variables you can control on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think the first step is being aware, um, and awareness is my biggest thing that I've been able to, um, I've been grateful for, you know, awareness and an open mind, because you have to have the open mind to be able to, um, to go there. And, you know, I, I grew up a, uh, you know, in, in a Christian church and, you know, we sang our hymns and we went to uh, Sunday school every single Sunday and my mom was very great with that and I can still pull from that. You know, I can go to any church. I can go to any of these religions. And I always say to myself also is what's the underlying message that I'm trying to receive from this? Um, and, and that's one thing that I've absolutely loved from being able to have that open mind and continuously seeking that. Um, my, my biggest thing that um, I've been grateful for uh, is my gratitude towards a lot of um, things and, and, and being able to. Uh, you know, have the courage to experience different things. I also got to say, you know, I, I've been able to, you know, been fortunate enough to surround myself around people that are a little bit more forward or higher thinking in the sense where, you know, I come from Dunedin. This is a small town feel where you got, you know, you got this kind of country, you know, redneck style of, of guys who are pretty scrappy. And then you got on the other's coin, uh, it's pretty hood, you know, and, and you got this blend, this melting pot of these two kind of cultures that kind of develop these uh, 
you know, these scrappy kids and all, while all my kid buddies out of high school were getting jobs at, you know, Budweiser, I was always trying to say, how can I, you know, do something? There was something in my mindset uh, where I just had a little bit more, I don't want to say a little bit more. I shouldn't say that whatsoever. It's just uh, my aspirations were a little bit different. And uh, my, my, my thinking, I always wanted to elevate my thinking. And I was never a bookworm, but I always had the street smarts to be able to get to from point A to point B. And, uh, and through that common sense, what I call street smarts is, you know, my uh, father was able to instill in me and just having, you know, just, just think, just think about it. You know what I mean? Being able to think about a particular thing as opposed to like, this is the dogma of what everybody says it is. And I think through that, I've been able to, um, I've been able to go through things and, and have an open mind, and then later become aware of, of things that I need to uh, continuously work on. Um, so as far as lessons go, I, I, I got to say, lessons in life come from a constant molding and shaping of my experiences from my past as a child, even like I said to the womb. I mean. I say I won't go there because you, that can open up a, a huge discussion. I mean, we could talk based on just what you were saying earlier. I was like, man, we could we could go really deep into a lot of different things. Um, and then you know, but but to but to sum it up, you know, the the lessons and some of the biggest ones are constantly ever changing, and it's constantly evolving. It's going back to that I think just the way that the same way that the mind is evolving. I'm constantly evolving. So as I uncover one layer, I'm being aware and being exposed to new layers. Um, and I think that's the beauty and the journey of it. Um, and, and, uh, and, and constantly uh, seeking that improvement, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons, I, I guess, uh, that I could sum up in, in, in its entirety that will uh, bridge or the gap to any platform, whether it be coaching, uh, training, um, whatever it may be, uh, is is simply, um, uh, you know, having the courage to be able to approach and to be aware and to uncover and to seek the truth. And whatever form that may be, whether you're in a very immature mindset and it's, you know, you're a high school kid, um, being able to be present of where you're at right now and not having that, you know, you don't need to be. You don't need to be a million steps forward. You know, you could be, you're perfect right where you're at. And, uh, and, and as I go through life, um, I'm starting to realize I'm, I'm at peace um, with exactly where I'm at. Even when I'm not at peace, I'm at peace because that's uh, me surrendering to my current situation. And by me surrendering current to my current uh, situation, uh, it allows me to to be right exactly where I'm at and to, and to learn the lessons that I'm at, to have the experiences that I'm having at this time. I don't need to, you know, I, I, I think some guys can be able to, you know, they're, they're not satisfied with the situation where they're in, whether that be mentally, physically, whatever that is. But being with peace with that will, will and having that strong stance will allow you to then progress forward. Yeah, another, another really interesting um concept that was on my mind a lot lately was this idea of imposter syndrome so that we currently think we're walking around as frauds in life and because of that we kind of are always trying to externalize our source of happiness that if I can just get this or if I can get to there or if I get that when really when you actually if you do even get to there wherever there is quote unquote 
you realize that the answer was already within your grasp all the time. Because when I when I when I went over to America there to Arizona, I was I was interning at Altus for three months and um, you know, you kind of go over like and don't get me wrong, the experience was great and every 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 experience you're meant to go through for a reason and and I I, I truly believe the reason of that experience was to teach me that you you already have all the answers within you already you know that you are good enough and that you know you don't have to constantly think that the answer is outside of your your own capabilities that was kind of what what I took away from the experience um you know because people always ask how was your trip and I was like I spent about 10,000 euro learning that everything I needed to know was already within me so but it but I, I still yes, I, I still wouldn't trade the experience so the idea of imposter syndrome is again thing that you know we're a fraud and that you know if we if we you know if we you know get get this experience or if we go to this uh, particular place or that this individual has all the answers and then once I get all those answers then I'll then I'll know what to do and it's kind of well, like uh, you know or else if I get this or if I make this amount of money or if I have these sort of material things in my life then I'm I'm worth it and it's like then I'll, I'll really know who I am and I've made it or this you know you're not consciously saying these things but at a subconscious level that's kind of what's playing out in the back of your mind and really when it boils all down to it all the answers already are internally uh-huh. in you so like the, the like the basically the keys to happiness are already within you and what we're yes. trying to do is that instead of reflecting inward on who we are and again going back to this concept of accepting who we are as individuals and showing ourselves unconditional love we're we're medicating ourselves and we're 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 using coping mechanisms such as external material goods or whatever it may be as mechanisms to, to cope with the concept that we don't want to look internally and and go the the true route of finding ultimate happiness which is within us we're trying to externalize it we're trying to get it from an outside source we're basically trying to get happiness from that from from out out outwardly inwardly rather than having from inwardly to go outwardly yes absolutely so i think you can you know i think each one of us can slowly start to reach that and this is you know i guess playing off some of the lessons from power now is 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 through us being able to uh disidentify with the thoughts and the incessant mind stream uh, of these thoughts that are going on in our head that we just need to be able to separate our true being from what we might be telling ourselves. And then you're able to reach that uh, state where you're able to know uh, these universal truths that we're speaking of. Yeah. Again, I think, I think it's, it's all, it's all part of the journey and process to, to, to self-actualization. But again, yes. I, again I, I think it's, it's, it's an inherent fear again that we're not good enough. But again, it's all like I've said it multiple times. It's all really just coming back into this concept of really, you know, meditating. And when I say meditating, I don't mean that you sit down, cross leg with your eyes closed. Meditating can take many forms. Mm-hmm. I, I I use the word meditating instead of thinking. But you know, to be able to really sit down and meditate and just say to yourself like, who am I? Why yeah. am I here? And you're not your name. You're not your possessions. You're not the people you hang around with. You're not even your body. Like, who are you? Again, you're a spirit having a human experience. The reason why you have a body is so that you can you can have the experience of life. So, like Bruce Lipton puts it great. The reason why we have bodies as spirits is like, like I know what chocolate tastes like. What's, what does love feel like? What What is it like to feel water on my face? What is that sensation like? It gives us the, the, the more intangible things 
that makes them more tangible so we can experience with them. But we're still not our bodies, like Alan Watts would say, or as Bruce Lipton would say. So be able to really sit back and, and you know, meditate and those things. And, and I think the reason why it's not so much that people don't want to answer these questions. It's that a lot of times people don't even think about these things because they're just so deaf and blind by all the just superficial bullshit that takes our takes up our attention nowadays like the concept of delayed gratification is just completely gone now because we're so bombarded by instantaneous gratification you know you know likes on facebook and twitter and whatever else people do beyond the concept of mastery and being able to delay gratification and and to really go through the process and enjoy the process because i think like you probably noticed too most people are always saying you know what's my five-year plan what's my 10-year plan what's my 20-year plan it's like What's your plan for like right now in the moment? And as 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 the power now says, that's the reason why it's called the present. It's a gift. Yes. Yes. And I think we're we're becoming blind to that. And again, I say this as an individual who's as just as flawed and who's just as you know, who 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 struggles with these concepts as well. Like that everything I've spoken about. Like, do I say, oh, you know, I think you know, if, if I did this and I'd like to be there in three years and. But I, but I, I, I still am working on the awareness. I listen. I'm still so appreciative for what I have now. Like I'm so grateful that we connected today and we're having this conversation. And, yes, absolutely. You know, so and, and even and even like I'm rambling here and I'm talking a lot and all that. See what what could happen is here. Like after the call, I could get off and start judging myself. Going, Jesus, I spoke in circles and I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I so, like what happens to me sometimes, Chris, is I feel there's times where I can really articulate my points really well. And I'm like, oh, that felt good. And if, my problem is perfection. And I, I let that get in the way of progress. So like, I'm like, oh, I, I need to make sure I say this perfectly. And you can see my OCD kicks in and I go in circles to make sure I say it again and again to make sure I said it perfect. And now that's something I need to work on because it's obviously like if I truly forgave myself, it's like, listen, just fucking talk. Uh, I get over the fear that it's not nothing's going to be perfect. Accept it. And just go, move on with it. Yes, absolutely. Be at peace with it. Because you never know exactly how somebody's receiving that. You know, I used to get a little bit worked up, too. Everybody has their own, right? So I guess we're putting it all on the table. And, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a better person than I've felt by energy, especially my coaching. You know, so when I talk with somebody, and convey with somebody, even like growing up, I noticed this with girls. I'm like, I'm so much better if we're face-to-face. You can feel how I'm, you know, operating because I communicate non-verbally a lot of times. Yes, yes. Sometimes, you know, especially with podcasts, I get a little bit nervous because I'm like, man, I believe that I have a lot to give, but I'm like, I don't know if it's received there. Or if I'm, you know, sometimes my I have so many different things. It's, it's almost as if, like, we talk, and then I want to get out ten different answers in one. Me too. So then I'm like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go here, 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 here. And it's like, it sometimes becomes a conglomerate of them all and then it doesn't even make sense. So then you start to judge it and say, man, what the hell was I just saying? But, you know, more I realize is, 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 is my anchor to ground myself is to be able to just be like, you know, so, as long as somebody's able to receive any kind of benefit from this message and feel, uh, you know, this, this positivity that we're able to express and being able to try to help somebody – um, I, I think they feel that, and, uh, and and I believe our evolution, like you were saying earlier, um, especially with us as as humans, uh, is is our ability to feel and have that intuition and feel like they know where that person's coming from, and uh, I'm a, we're able to experience that on a you know on a personal level, face to face level, and and it, I think it's only going to continue to transcend and get more and better and as we go and. Uh, it starts with 
with us and how we're communicating. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that word transcend. It's one of my favorite words. Just uh, yeah. I think because because of Sheldon Pierce's book, the biology of transcendence, and that's that's kind of the thing behind his book and the evolution of the brain. That the brain has always evolved for higher uh, levels of intelligence, and it's 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 heading towards higher levels of transcendence, which I which I really love the message in his book. And yeah, I mean, there's, uh, um, there's high school kids now. I, I, I've been fortunate enough, you know, I don't, I'm not as out there because of who I talk to on a, on a, uh, on a, uh, international level, I guess I could say, meaning like, uh, you know, when I come, my gifts that I offer to the world, uh, through YouTube are often, often, you know, concentrated on these, these young men who are trying to get better at running faster, jumping higher, getting stronger. So, a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of the um, deeper conversations don't necessarily get put out there. And uh, but I've been fortunate enough to be with, you know, uh, to to work alongside somebody like Elliot who who speaks like that and speaks that to these. And what I've experienced of being his partner is seeing these young men who, at this age, I'm just blown away by some of the things that they're aware of. And like we said, it's it's it, you know as our, uh, as I believe our brains evolving, or as I believe, you know, the technology and the things we're able to connect with, we're able to continuously elevate um, our consciousness, and, and we're able to elevate the way we deliver uh, um, um, information and truth to a lot of people. And, 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 and as they, uh, as technology advances, um, I, it's, it's just amazing to see the consciousness elevate and, and advance with these young men who, uh, like in high school, you know, I'm just like, I'm blown away by how, how young some of these guys are who, you know, and, and they're able to go this deep and they're able to think and, and, uh, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, their goals are changing and, uh, it's a lot of the things that we're speaking about here and, and becoming aware and being able to achieve that, uh, um, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to call it, you know, whether it be the Christ within you or awakening or enlightenment and for them to continue to strive towards these things, it's just an amazing thing to see. And it's getting younger and younger. And it's, uh, it's, um, I'm, I'm excited for where it's going. You know, although you turn on the television, you look at the news and you're, you, you know, you might think the world is crumbling, but you have to, you know, destroy the old paradigm before you elevate, you know, before you get into the next realm of things. And, uh, it's just an exciting time where some people are scared, things of that nature. It really gets me juiced and it really gets me excited because because you have that background of the universal truth. Yeah, but uh, like another thing you just brought up there was like, you know, you could turn on the TV and see like lots of fear and, and you know, lots of scarcity being put out there. One of, one of my favorite, and, and I know I know Elliot loves this, loves this individual too, one of my favorite philosophers is Alan Watson. What he really brought to my attention was that, listen, the universe works in contrast. So trying to have everything all one way. So for instance, everyone trying to make sure that everything's good and everyone's happy. Like he would say, that's that's a completely that's a completely fruitless endeavor. It can never be that way because if you didn't if you didn't have bad, you wouldn't know what good was. If you didn't have if you didn't have evil, you wouldn't know what good was. If you didn't have left, you wouldn't know what right was. If you didn't have man, you wouldn't know what a woman was. If you didn't have ups, you wouldn't know downs. If you didn't have daytime, you wouldn't know what nighttime was. So he said the universe works through contrast. Like, and I always say to people, when you look at the stars at night, what's in between the stars? And people go nothing. I was like, but the nothing gives way to the something. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able to see the stars if that black nothingness wasn't in between them. 
and you know, kind of, and I say you wouldn't know hot without cold. You wouldn't, right. know, you wouldn't know yin without yang. So again, it comes back to this concept then of acceptance. And like, if you ever I speak, can... if you ever speak to anyone who did any sort of Zen Buddhism, and you'd say, well, what did you learn after your five, ten, fifteen, twenty years of studying under under a, a, a Zen Buddhist master? And they'd say, I learned nothing. And that and that and that's what I that's what I was meant to learn. That there was nothing yeah. to learn. And then all we can do for that is to come to acceptance with that. And then it goes back to our question earlier on about death and uncertainty and me- meditating on our mortality and that if we really could come to acceptance that listen i'm not going to be here forever so why the fuck do i worry about my iphone or i lost 500 euro or my screen in my car cracked or somebody was rude to me today when like all that stuff is so superficial when it comes to the grand question of what is after this life i don't know and the fact i don't know i just got to meditate on that accept it love it for what it is and actually appreciate that because if we hadn't got death, we wouldn't know what life was. Mm-hmm. Going back yeah. to contrast, so I mean, because there's these questions about would you know would you would you like to live forever? And I'm like, like it just uh, first of all, I don't think that that would we could extend life, but I don't think you could live forever because again, just the universe does not work in in singularity. It works in contrast, and that that's how we can go about our ways. So that that's our reference points to be able to contrast things, you know. Black and white, hot and cold, day and night, up and down, you know, uh, elation versus depression. So these are all processes that are meant to be part of the journey. Um, so I think if we can move away with this concept of, oh, everything has to be perfect in one way. You wouldn't know what perfection was if there wasn't imperfection. You, you know, you, so uh, that's one thing Alan Watts really brought, brought, to my, uh, brought to my attention, and I'm so appreciative of that. And another, yeah. in, another, another individual I know you love too is... Uh, um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and just going back to this idea of, you know, you just said it beautifully too, that we kind of like making sure we're getting our point across and that we're kind of like, you know, doubling over our points and making sure people are understanding this perfectly. And again, that's probably going back to a little bit of fear that we're being judged that oh, these people probably aren't understand what I'm saying. I could have said that better. And like in his essay, Self-Reliance, he's like, you know, if, if, if you really were somebody who was fully aware of themselves you wouldn't have any issue with being who you are in any given moment because in, in it he basically says like if i contradict myself and something i said yesterday well then so be it at least i'm being genuine in this very moment so his whole thing was like be authentic in every moment you can be because then if you are then there's no fear behind anything you could ever say exactly 100 percent. and he also follows up with that uh you know this is elliot's one of elliot's favorite quotes is every action is measured by the percent or the sentiment of which is perceived so it's like where are you coming from? As long as we're coming out of love, it's genuine, right? Yes, so, yes. Uh, you know, and that's what that's where I was really going with that is, you know, is 100% of, at the end of the day, being able to drop that surrender and, hey, as long as you know that I, I'm genuinely coming from a place of love yeah. and, uh, and, and, and through that, um, people sense that, people, people feel that. And that's, you know, and that goes on everything in life. And, you know, we, we come full circle. We started talking about coaching and we went to here. But, you know, as a coach, that's one thing that, you know, you always have to, like you said, it's about dropping that ego and being able to operate out of that, out of that energy. Yeah. And like his message in that self-reliance, I mean, that's, that's the one thing I always say to any individual or group of people I talk to, that the only true message I want anyone ever to take away from me is that all I ever want for every human being on this planet is to think for themselves, is to have enough courage to think for themselves, yes. to, 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 to be able to uh, 
take in information to be able to digest it and assimilate it and then from there come to their own conclusions and things. So always have enough courage within themselves to be their own person and to walk their own path. And again, I say that as a human who is on the very same journey as everyone else. So that would be my one true hope and the one piece of information that I that I, I would just love to share to everyone else. Like people always ask me, not that people always ask me, but I've often been asked, what do you think your purpose in life is? And I truly believe that my purpose in life is to empower people to take responsibility for what they create moment to moment. So essentially just take responsibility for their lives, knowing that they are in control of their perception of reality. And a fantastic book is Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor who was a, who was a psycho- psych- psychiatrist. And he went around the world after the Holocaust, you know, kind of lecturing on this concept of ultimate freedom. And people would be very confused. And they say, how can you say we have ultimate freedom when you had everything stripped away by the Nazis? And he's like, the Nazis could control everything externally in my life, but they could never control my internal world. So basically his thoughts and his perceptions of, of any given moment. And he came up with this very famous thing that between stimulus and response, human beings have the freedom to choose their response to stimulus. And that's what separates us from the animals and the, and the rest of the animal kingdom. We have that ability in our higher brain structures to choose our response, to perceive our reality the way we want to perceive it. That's why you can get two people who have the very, who are in the very same environmental situation and can have two completely different perceptions of that environmental situation, mm-hmm. which is another one of our gifts as, as humans, you know. So. Yes, absolutely. So it's a yes. Yeah, I think uh, you know we're. we're this is this has really gone into some some deeper levels, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm so happy. Listen, just. To, maybe to finish up, Chris, uh, what, what would your what would your top resources be to any of the listeners? Books, audios, videos, courses, live or online events, mentors, your favorite films, whatever. And again, this can be anything out there. And uh, you know, at this stage of this interview, I mean, this this could be this could go down any rabbit hole. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned that earlier. As far as resources, you know, one thing you've mentioned so many. You mentioned a, a lot of books that we're speaking of on the same subjects, and it's kind of like. You know, I often uh, talk about putting out the, the right bait for the right creature, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's these universal truths that we're talking about. And they come in many different forms, whether it be from Alan Watts, whether it be from Eckhart Tolle or, or uh, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson. There's so many truths within these guys' works. And uh, it's about how your, you know, your perception and where you're at at the particular time. I mean, you just said it yourself. You, we two humans could be reading the same book and have completely different experiences uh, with that book and the information and how we perceive it and what we're going through at that time. Um, you know, so I, I, I honestly got to say, as far as resources or anything go, for me in particular in my life, like I said, it, 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 if I can name one that's really been resounding, it's been that Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. um, and his teachings. Obviously, um, you know, I, I mentioned I'm from a Christian background um, and, and, you know, I like to identify myself as um, somebody who's not as religious, uh, somewhat like similar to what you're saying. But I can appreciate some of the teachings and some of the lessons yeah. and what you're taking from that, um, I, you know, and, and, and just like anything else, though, you know, whether that be that or the Bhagavad Gita, you know, whether it be the, you know, you know, like you mentioned before, Alan Watts, whether it's somebody telling you a story and it clicks for you or it's somebody deliberately teaching you on a very intellectual level, uh, of, you know, uh, you know, or intellectual esoteric level. Uh, so it, when it comes to that, you know, uh, like I said, 
uh, Eckhart Tolle, uh, the teachings of Jesus are, are, are quite amazing. Um, you know, um, other resources. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think if any more life ones that really, really stand out for me uh, that, that would support somebody. You know, as far as, as, as uh, uh, you know, talking business, uh, I really absolutely love uh, some of Robert Greene's book. I love some of his, his, his life books as well. I, I think he's got some amazing lessons in there. Absolutely. So, Mastery is one of my favorite books. Yes, it's, it's amazing. Um, all-time favorite. Uh, Dale Car- Carnegie has is, is got some really great work. Um, um, so I'm trying to think of my favorite books right now. Um, well, Fifties Law Mastery; those two are are, are amazing. <clears throat> um, uh, training wise, I'll have to go with. Uh, I really absolutely love. Advanced concepts of strength and conditioning, and that was actually written by my uh, by my professor in college. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the, the four best ones. You kind of put me on the spot there. I apologize. Um, you know, any of Paul Check's work, um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll basically stick with those. Great stuff. Great stuff, Chris. This has been. Uh Incredible, and thanks so much for for reciprocating in in the conversation. And this is yeah. me mumble and ramble and. No, it's been amazing. Don't don't judge it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just about to say. I was just about to say. You know, but again, I, I I have forgiveness for myself, so I I, I don't mind myself. But, no, uh, I absolutely enjoyed it. And you know, one of the best things that one of the great things that I've even been working on too is myself is listening. You know what I mean? And and it, it's been such a pleasure, even. Like you said, going back and forth with you and listening to your ideas, you know, I didn't know you from Adam and I don't know if people know this on the podcast, but, you know, we, we basically were able to, you know, kind of learn from each other after we, we introduced each other through, through doing this and uh, being able to experience this with you. I feel like I've, I've kind of made a friend for life. So it's it's awesome to be able to connect with you on this level and to speak to somebody about these different things. You know, we can go training, coaching, and then we can go deep on life and uh it's been a great experience with you. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so honest. I said earlier on, like, uh, I'm working on being more grateful for what, for what I'm having in the present. And to have this conversation with you today has just been an absolute gift from, you know, from the universe. So as Tony Robbins would call this a little bit of grace. And it definitely, there was some serendipity there because there was the whole Jay Schroeder thing. And then there was the Fred Hatfield thing. And then, like, yeah, we've, mentioned, we've, we've mentioned books. So it's just... Uh, and even even certain things like you know you were you were you brought up then the concept you've been meditating on debt and uh, like that's been a huge part of what I've been thinking about debt and uncertainty and the imposter syndrome and uh, it's just it's 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 incredible man I thank you so much for for your your love today and and for the conversation and just stay on online for just another thirty seconds and I'll, I'll wrap up the show. Um, did you give your contact information, Chris? Uh, I don't think I did, but you could check me out on, uh, you know, my business called Overtime Athletes, um, overtimeathletes.com and, uh, youtube.com slash overtime athletes. Um, and, and it also, uh, in conjunction with that, uh, strength camp, a lot of, maybe a lot of your listeners have heard of that more of my partner's Elliot Hulse. And, um, you can look us up at strengthcamp.com and, uh, or youtube.com slash strength camp. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Guys, what an absolute epic episode. Might have to be a two-parter, so uh, 
because it's just such good information, probably split up into two episodes. Absolute gentleman uh, to have on, Chris. Just so such good information, such great conversation. And again, these kind of conversations that have me buzzing afterwards for hours, so it's just brilliant. So again, guys, thanks for listening. If you can keep sharing out the podcast and keep, you know subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff, we really appreciate it. So for now, take care. I'll talk to you soon, everyone, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.